This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Silicolin. Silicolin is the number one doctor-recommended stool coagulant. Polymers invented by the world-renowned Dr. Koshi Kolanabi bind the matter in your large intestine so that your movements require virtually no cleanup. Originally developed to treat anal seepage, silicolin is for anyone who desires spotless underwear and a streak-free toilet bowl. Side effects may include acute anal seepage, upset stomach, bunions, spina bifida, night terrors, night sweats, terror sweats, and a loss of sexual identity. If you are experiencing more than five seizures a day, stop use immediately. Leave toilet paper behind and ask your doctor if silicolin is right for you. Hello and thank you for cracking another road soda. 110. 1 in 10. Let's do it once more. That's right. On this episode, we talk to an apprentice level knife maker and I teach you how to make Granny's famous blood and ding dong soup. I'm Isaiah Cooper and I'm Isaiah Cooper and I'm also Isaiah Cooper and with me is Isaiah Cooper, of course. Here we are again on this faithful night. This is a great episode. Uh, we don't, again, do the Millennial Book Club because a, the Millennial Book Club has to be, in my opinion, a conversational piece. Um, and I think if it goes one more week, then we're going to do a, uh, I'll just do it solo. I'll do it. It doesn't matter. But we do have an interview on this episode where I interview a friend of mine, Jordan Rasmussen. And he just started about six months ago making knives. And I am a big fan of just knife making in general. I love the process. It's very mesmerizing. I like to know about it. I like to learn about it. And um, out of all the friends that I've, I have, he is definitely the one that I see you know, getting into knife making. And he did. He got into knife making. So uh, I interviewed him about the process and how he got, onto, got into it. And... I hope that inspires you to also uh, do something like maybe you're thinking about glass blowing or, or doing some other other kind of hobby that you know you just haven't done or, or that you, you, you've never done before but always thought about. You should just do it. It's always a little easier than you think to do those things and you should just do them. Uh, he, he did them. He's doing the knife making thing and I think it's fun that we talked about the knife making and then maybe a few months from now. We'll come back and uh, he, not a few months, but maybe another like uh, six months and he'll be even better and we can watch his progress. Right now you can actually go to OP Knives, that's O-P-I-E underscore K-N-I-V-E-S, OP Knives on Instagram and you can see some of his work, some of his knives. After only six months, it's not so bad. He really, he's actually doing really, really well. He's making his own sheaths, he's making his own kitchen knives. Um... He's doing really fucking well uh, with what he's doing. And I'm very happy that we spoke to him. It was a lot of fun, and I hope you love it as well. Uh, guys, we always like hearing from you. You can write into roadsodamail at gmail.com. That's roadsodamail at gmail.com. And you can uh, leave us you know, questions, comments, all that kind of stuff. We'll read them on the air. 
and like, subscribe, and review and rate us wherever you're listening to us on the show. You can do that. That's uh, that really does help. It helps and. We hope that you enjoy the interview, but first, how about some news? But first, first, now another word from our sponsors. Hey Dave, can I talk to you for a minute? What's going on? I was driving to work and I hit a bum. He's dead. I panicked and I put him in the trunk of my car. Now I don't know what to do. That's a no-brainer. Just check into a Motel 9. How is staying in a motel gonna help me? It's not just a motel. It's a Motel 9. You know, they'll close the blinds for you. At Motel 9, discretion is our obsession. With unstable floors and soundproof walls, no one hears a thing. And none of the staff speaks a lick of English. And our unique wide pipe plumbing can handle 10 pound load flushes. You can make anything disappear 10 easy pounds at a time. Like your neighbor's Shih Tzu or a stripper. At Motel 9, you can rest easy. We'll close the blinds for you. Hey Bill, uh, can I show you something in my trunk? Hourly and nightly rates starting at $25. News. 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 What a time for news, they always said. This one comes to us from the New York Post. You ever heard of that? Crazed fan planted fake bombs in bizarre attempt to meet Pierce Morgan. Yeah, that's a bizarre attempt. That's, it is a strange way to meet Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan, you know, the um, weird fella. He's not really a weird fella. He's, a, he's the British judge on uh, that uh, X, X, uh, X Factor show. You know what I'm talking about. A deranged Pierce Morgan, period. No, there's more. A, drained, a deranged Pierce Morgan fan sparked a nail bomb scare in a major British city. I wonder which major British city. Could it be hmm, London? The only fucking one? In hopes of being interviewed by the former America's Got Talent judge. Oh, that's America's Got Talent. My bad. Thanasis Joel. That's the guy's name? What's the fucking problem? What kind of name is Thanasis? Thanasis. Joel, 27, was found with a letter in the UK journalist to, oh wait, was found with a letter to the UK journalist when he was busted for leaving three fake bombs in Manchester. I guess, I guess it was Manchester. I guess what this proves is fucking anybody's got a fan. If fans like this for Pierce, if fans are doing this for Pierce Morgan, what do you think fans for actual famous people are doing? Jesus. Holy cow. I didn't know Pierce Morgan was nail bomb. Nail, mail bomb famous. Holy shit. Next one. A report. Arson suspect sets fire before attending reunion in California. Just a little pre-reunion fire, they always say. You know, when you're on your way to your reunion... Your high school reunion, maybe it's your 50th high school reunion, and you're you're passing by a, you know, a big state forest, and you think, you know, I'm just gonna set a little fire before heading off to my, heading off to my my reunion. Yeah, we've all been there. A suspect, a arsonist, traveled from Missouri to Northern California to set more than a dozen wildfires before attending his 50th high school reunion, a newspaper report. 
before, like, they made it sound like he traveled there to set the fires. Like, I'm going here, and then, uh, you know, I just got to set a couple fires, and then, uh, or sorry, half a dozen. More than a dozen. Jesus Christ. A former classmate told the San Jose Mercury News that Freddie Owen Graham, Freddie Graham, the fire guy, appeared happy at the party. You know, I remember him in high school, old Freddie, you know... He was, uh, he was always doing the fire tricks. He carried around, you know, had, he had a big Zippo collection. And he was always lighting, you know, he was the you know leather jacket wearing kind of guy, fire. He smoked cigarettes before anybody else. He was excited to come. I talked to him for five or, uh, sorry, I talked to him five or six times during the night. He was happy he was there. He told me I didn't expect to have this much fun. Yeah, I guess for some people... San, oh, sorry, Santaro said, it turns out he had already set the fires. Of course, he was all zhuzzed up. You smell that? He's at the, he's at the reunion and he's, everyone's, you smell that? You smell that in the air? It's like a fresh fire, you know? Uh, nothing like being around a fire, huh? Huh, Santaro? Hey, Santaro, nothing like being around a fire, huh? State fire investigators said Graham gave them a different impression. After he was arrested at the airport in San Jose, Graham told them he was in an emotional state over his lost wife, over the loss of his wife in 2018 when he tossed flaming pieces of paper onto the side of the road. It's a little late to be upset about your wife because she passed away and could not be with him. It made him emotional starting the fires. I don't know. I guess uh, the death of somebody... He, Graham... This is my favorite part. Graham is being held on a $2 million bail of 13 counts of arson. So right there, over a dozen. No, no, they should have said a baker's dozen. Always let that be known that when they say over blank, if they say over 35, that means it was 36. That's how they fucking... Do. They can't say 36. It's over 35. Like... Leaving it up to mystery, like, holy shit, how many over 35 is it? Holy shit, how many over 12 fires was it? 13 fires, that's how many. It was 13 fucking fires. Wonderful, right? That's that's advertising and news giving for you. Here's one for you. This is um, this comes to us from this comes to us from the Los Angeles Times. This is the or uh the West Coast Times, if you will. The LA Times. Bizarre deaths. <sighs> I got the Yannis. Case of the Yannis. Yanniano. Bizarre deaths of bulls. Now, this isn't the Chicago Bulls. These are real bulls. Bizarre, bizarre deaths of bulls baffle Oregon police and residents. This, they, You know when this is recorded... Uh, a reported in the Los Angeles Times. This is kind of a, a big one, but this 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 happened on October first. So this report came out on October first in the L.A. Times. Out of Salem, Oregon, the first dead bull was found in a timbered ravine in eastern Oregon. Uh, there was no indication it had been shot, attacked by predators, or had eaten poisonous plants, which is the most common things that happen to wildlife or, or not I wouldn't say wildlife uh, uh, domesticated farm life this is the most common uh, they eat some kind of poisonous plant some kind of vine or something they die uh, they're attacked by wolves 
or uh, coyotes or something, or they're shot, you know, by somebody who's just a fucking idiot. Those are all the they farm animals that, especially range animals like uh, um, cows and stuff, die that way all the time. The animal's sex organs and tongue had been removed. Well, that's a little weird, isn't it? All the blood was gone. Hmm. Well, I guess somebody just wanted to make blood and ding-dong soup. That's the only thing I can make. They have all the ingredients for cow blood ding-dong soup. I mean, when Grandma used to make cow blood ding-dong soup at my house, she'd go out and she'd find the first bowl and she'd rip its ding-dong right off. And that's how it dies. Like... If I, if you if you yank fast enough, it's the ding dong's connected right to the heart, and that's just the thing keels over, and then you shove a bucket right under there, and you catch all the blood, and all the blood just pours right out. The fascinating thing about blood and ding dong soup and, and ripping the ding dong off a bull is when you rip the ding dong off the bull, the bull doesn't actually fall over; it stands on all fours as the blood pours out the ding dong hole. A lot of people don't know this, so you grab. Grab the ding-dong, gank the ding-dong, blood fill, falls out of the hole, and then uh, you can walk around to the front, and the, the eyes roll back in the back of its head, and you can actually take the tongue, and you just, that slides out. Because again, just like connect, the, the ding-dong connected to the heart, the ding-dong also goes all the way up to the tongue. So now the tongue just slides down on easy. And now you've got the perfect fixings for blood and ding-dong soup. You put it, it's already in the bucket. You throw it all in the bucket, uh, and you, you, you uh, put, put the lid on it. And you steam it, and you cook it for for about a uh, crazy amount of time. It's actually 10 hours to make proper blood and ding-dong soup. It kind of congeals. It's thick. It's more like a pea soup. Um, when I was a kid, I used to call it pee-pee soup, you know, because there's the ding-dong in there. <laughs> Grandma used to think that was hilarious that I called it pee-pee soup. Um, but this is a very real... Uh, uh, and that's, you know, that's obviously what's going on here. So let's see what they think is happening. In the next few days, four more... Well, uh, Herf Herford bulls were found within 1.5 miles in the same condition. Well, obviously they've got a potluck coming up. You know the the holidays are, are right around the corner. You're trying to get as much blood and ding dong soup as you can get. So that's that's obvious there. There was no tracks around the carcasses. Well, that's part of the tradition. Is uh, you know blood and ding dong soup is sneaking in and sneaking out undetected. Um, leaving no tracks. Um, Grandma was actually a Native American tracker, so that's why, you know, you know that's why, that's why. <laughs> there were no tracks around the carcasses. Ranch management and law enforcement suspect that someone killed the bulls. Hmm, yeah, Grandma. Ranch hands have been advised to travel in pairs and to go armed. Ever since the bulls were found over several days in July, Harney's, uh, sorry, over, ever since the bulls were found over several days in July, Harney County Sheriff's Deputy Dan Jenkins has received many calls and emails from people speculating what or who might be responsible. The theories range from scavengers, such as carrion bugs eating the carcasses, to people attacking the animals to cause financial harm to ranchers. One person suggested that Jenkins look for craters underneath the carcasses, saying it would be evidence that the bulls had been levitated into a spaceship, mutilated, and then dropped back on the ground. Grandma's a Native American, not a fucking alien, you weirdo. 
What a weirdo. Plus, aliens don't eat blood and ding-dong soup. Aliens don't even know about blood and ding-dong soup. This is ridiculous. Jenkins, who is leading the investigation that was that also involves state police, has run into only dead ends. And with no witnesses, if anyone has concrete information or knows of any co- cases that have been solved in the past and would definitely be that would definitely be helpful. Would it would it be helpful if your job was done for you? You know what would be really awesome? Is if I went into work at McDonald's, all the burgers were made and already given to the people that are hungry for burgers. That would be very helpful. It would be very helpful if I went to school where I teach and all the kids already knew all the stuff that I was supposed to teach them. Boy, would that be helpful. Jesus Christ. Colby Marshall, vice president of the Sylvie's Valley Ranch that owned the Bulls, has another theory. We think this crime is being perpetuated by some sort of cult. Well, it is Oregon. So, that's something. (laughs) The blood and ding-dong soup cult? Are you trying to say grandma's a part of a cult? Because if you're saying that, then I think that is a bit outlandish to me personally the re the case recalls mutilations of livestock across the west and midwest in the 1970s that stuck fear that struck feel fear that struck fear that struck fear in rural areas thousands of cattle and other livestock were found dead with reproductive organs and sometimes part of their faces removed in territory ranging from minnesota minnesota wow to uh, New Mexico. Ranchers began carrying guns, folks said helicopters had been heard around the kill sites and federal agencies canceled an inventory by a helicopter of its lands in Colorado. A federal agent canceled an inventory. Huh. Worried that it would be that it would get shot down. Oh, okay. So it didn't want to fly there because the crazy Coloradians would shoot it. A couple of U.S. senators urged the FBI to investigate, according to agency documentaries, or sorry, documents, which totally could have been documentaries. After saying it lacked jurisdiction, the FBI agreed to investigate cases on tribal lands, but the mutilations stopped. Former FBI agent Kenneth Rommel, who headed the investigation, said there was no indication that anything other than common predators were responsible. Yeah, baloney. All right, I'm going to step aside. This is actually a pretty long article, so you can, if you would like to read this article, it's Bizarre Deaths of, of, of Bulls Baffle Oregon Police and Residents. It's in the Los Angeles Times. You can look it up. It came out on, on the first. There's, this is not the first. This has happened. This is not the first um, that this is uh, uh, being reported on, and this is just happening again. And honestly, this happens kind of often and it is a really this is a real mystery. I mean, we all heard about cows being abducted by aliens and this shit happening to them. This is this is really really interesting and this is really crazy because just as they said, for him to say this is a simple predator. First of all, predators don't just eat tongues. They don't just eat ding-dongs and they don't drain blood. And there's not I'm looking there's actually a picture on here. So you can a picture on uh, um this on this this article of the dead cow there is no blood on the ground there's no blood on the outside of the animal just the blood it's like the it's like something was stuck onto the the thing and the blood was was sucked out 
It's more of like what it was. There's no predator that is a blood-sucking, leave-no-trace-of-blood, no footprints, no anything predator. It's not like coyotes run up and would jab a straw into a into a cow and suck it dry like a like a like a juicer, like some kind of cow juicer. Leaving little cow raisins. <laughs> they don't that doesn't happen. And it is it, so it is a mystery. It's like it said it's been going on since the seventies. Um and these are pretty larger profile cases, I suppose. I don't know if it's always bulls. I believe it sometimes is cows where the udders are also removed. Um, but yeah, there's no, uh, there's no disturbances on the, the ground or anything around. Now, it's actually interesting that somebody in the article did say, look for craters beneath the animals, because that is one of the only things that is found. So they don't find footprints that of any kind, no animals, no humans, nothing. Um, around the animal uh, they don't find like broken snapped twigs they don't find utensils there's nothing around it so it looks like the animal just kind of was laid there like i think there's not even footprints of the cow itself getting to that part like getting to that point that's that's what's crazy so nothing like so because i guess you could say that somebody jumped on top of the cow and then rode it uh while this was happening and then just stayed on top of the cow but you would see its footprints leaving afterwards or, or anyway, that's just fucking preposterous. That's just ridiculous. But there is, in many of these cases, there is, they actually do find craters beneath the cow. So like where the cow is laying, there's slight indentations on the ground, as if somebody dropped an eight eight nine hundred pound animal about you know a few feet from the ground, dropped that just on the ground. Um, that is something that is that is uh, uh, noticed, that is a piece of evidence in these situations. So out of all the people in there that was like, the FBI agent was like, yeah, it's just regular old, that is, that is the gotta be the most, like, bullshit, ah, it's just regular old predators. It's like, dude, it's the most basic, the most basic investigation pr can show that it's not predators. And you're just like, yeah, it's predators. Essentially, uh, uh, it's it's it is just a very ridiculous uh, thing. But in, and then out of all the people in that article, the one they're trying to make seem like crazy, like and some guy thought it was aliens. Hoo 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 hoo! Like he's the only one that actually you gave a piece of evidence that is one of the only common pieces of evidence in all of these cases. Outside of you know there is no blood. That's that's a piece of evidence. The genitalia are are removed, and there are craters under many of these animals. Again, uh, um, all of those things are evidence. Very interesting stuff, but we all know that it's, um, we all know the real answer. It's just grandma me in, in blood and ding dong soup. Lizard Lift is the Uber of lot lizards. Easily find and match with truck stop ladies in your immediate area. Lizard Lift takes the guesswork out of the hunt. Stop accidentally soliciting Blimpy's employees on their smoke break. I've been a truck driver 27 years, and I still can't always tell an Arby's waitress from a truck stop whore. When I roll into an Oklahoma City pilot station, 3 in the morning, last thing I want is a large Mountain Dew thrown at me. And now, you can test your skills with the new in-app game. 
Lizard Wizard. Lizards are always slithering and on the move. Catch them all to collect points and rewards, and you'll feel safe knowing all you'll catch is a good time. All lot lizards are rated and inspected with fixed fares and complete coverage from Pimpsurance. Everyone wins with Lizard Lift. Everybody, here we are with Jordan Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Hello. How do you Ras say uh, Rasmussen. Rasmussen. It's you got to it say doesn't it, it doesn't it doesn't really it's all uh um yeah uh, J uh, Jordan and I have been friends for over it's been well over 10 years because we we were friends in yeah. high school. Um, yeah. We haven't seen each other in a long time. Where where are you now, good sir? I'm in Austin, Texas. What brought I knew you had moved there cuz you lived in Tallahassee before. What um Yeah. What was the, did you like visit and then you're like, this place is dope and then you stayed? No, um, I just wanted to get out of Tallahassee. Sorry, man. Of course, my dog's crying. Uh, <laughs> uh, my dog's killing somebody um, right now. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wanted to get out of Tallahassee and my girlfriend and me graduated at the same time um, from college and uh, I like was done with, co with school, but she, uh, she wanted to work on her PhD. Well, she wanted so, to get um, all smart and shit, huh? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> she uh, she got into UT for chemistry PhD. Oh, and wow. she's a chemistry PhD candidate, yeah. That's really awesome. What kind of uh, chemistry is she doing? Uh, physical chemistry. She just works with lasers, oh, which just? are really boring. You yeah, know, just looks at lasers. <laughs> I think they actually are kind of boring. I like talk, try to talk to her about lightsabers and stuff all the time, and she like won't have it. She's like, "That is science fiction, Jordan, and that is yeah. not real." And you're like, "Come on, come on, <laughs> give me something." Uh, yeah. Well, dude, that's really and you. So you you've been out there for three years, and uh, yeah. she's doing the school thing, and you're doing the Jordan thing, and yeah. um. The the reason that I'm having you on here, or that yeah, uh, is not just because you're an awesome guy, but uh, I think it's a little. It's definitely from my own interest. As like, I I think I told you over text when I saw that you were you were doing this. Yeah. That I one day it was like a year ago. I was walking through the living room uh, and I saw my dad watching. It was just happened to be on. It was forged in fire. And uh, I was like, what's that? And I stopped and I watched, like, I finished that episode with him. And then I think it was within two weeks I had watched every episode that was, like, available yeah. on Hulu, right? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I actually still haven't seen that show. Dude. <laughs> Which is crazy. Because every is. person I tell that I make knives, they're like, oh, yeah, Forging Fire. Is that how you got into it? Which so is totally, like how you would expect just because it's the most prevalent thing in today's yeah. like, world and also not that there isn't i don't think there's anything you know wrong with that uh if something like that inspires you to do it it's like fucking hell now nah, now you're doing yeah, something you like sure. yeah yeah for sure so um, how did you get uh, inspired i just i've just always liked knives and uh when we moved to austin i like got this super sweet taco job like taco stand job that's like i work 20 hours a week but i make enough money to pay all my bills which and, is uh, crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um 
so I just have all this free time for hobbies, and uh, I was doing pottery for a while, and then uh, I came across a um, instructable online on how to make knives. I don't know how I came across that, but I, I read the whole thing and then was like, oh, I can totally... I've, I always thought you needed, like, a bunch of expensive stuff to make knives, but you don't. Like, my first knife I made was, like, a hand drill and an angle grinder, and that's it. Right, like, which is... That I think that's always like the um, one of the things that scares people. It's for any venture. It's like you think that yeah. it's going to take so much, but when you really start breaking it down, especially like blacksmithing, like they've been blacksmithing yeah. since like the dawn of time. Uh, you don't need all that fancy stuff, dude. How yeah. when? How long ago did you make that first knife? Uh, so April first. So today, actually, or no, I guess it's the second, but it, almost exactly six months ago. Wow. Um, since then, yeah. about how many how many knives have you made since six months? Um, definitely like over fifteen. I actually I kind of lost count. Uh, I have like a big pile of them, like all the ones I want to keep, like on my dresser, and uh, um, and I just rotate through them. Like I never was like wear a knife on the hip guy before. I always carried a pocket knife, but right. now I like now i do because i make them myself so i think they're cool of course dude that's so much different when somebody's like oh sweet knife you're like yeah i made it like yeah that's so much different than it's like i live in texas and nobody's gonna like (laughs) bat an eye at it either sweet knife buddy (laughs) yeah there's literally no blade laws in texas or almost (laughs) no blade laws like you can like carry like a katana and stuff down the street um like I, I I've always wanted an out the front switchblade, like you know the like automatic ones that come straight out the front. Right. Uh, which I always thought were super illegal, but in Texas they're not at all. Uh uh-uh, uh, like, it's Texas. Yeah. This so, ain't America, boy. It's Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, cause yeah, in Florida there's like what crazy laws about like the length of the blade in your hand and some yeah. shit. Yeah. I think the out the front. There, it's like it can't be longer than six inches in Texas, which is like a kitchen knife length. It's just like not, <laughs> sounds like <laughs> no one would buy. It. Sounds like a country <laughs> song. It can't be longer than six inches. It sounds like a porn song. I guess. <laughs> and then it, then it would have to be. It needs to be longer. <laughs> yeah. In six inches. Uh, man, I was, yeah. So just because I think we. Uh, um, of course, everyone listening is now, uh, obviously, yeah, because you, you make knives. That's what you're, um, yeah. obvious. Like, I'm like, it couldn't be more obvious that that's what we were talking yeah. about. We never blatantly <laughs> said you've been forging your own knives. Uh, yeah, so wait, yeah. but you said that you, did you, did you cut your, your first knife or was it a forge? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I still, so I, uh, started out doing stock removal and I still mostly do stock removal and that's where you take relatively thin steel that's really soft and you cut so i like draw the shape of the knife i want on it and Mm. i'll I'll cut it out and then uh and now i have a belt sander that i like finish the shape down and then i like bevel it and stuff but the steel's really soft so i have to heat treat it so uh my my first knife i like just did over a bonfire for the heat treat which isn't very like accurate but it still worked so um, how are you when you're heat treating? So you've been heat treating since like your very first. Yeah, you, know, you have thing. to because it's of course. it's super soft, and what makes a knife a knife is its hard edge. Yes. And so 
it's like this thing called the Rockwell hardness scale where like when I get the steel, it's like a six or something. And then I heat it up to 1500 degrees for like 10 minutes and then I quench it in canola oil uh-huh. and it, uh, it like aligns the grain structure of the like molecules and, um, it, it changes the like structure. Uh, so it makes it really hard. And then it's like in the fifties on right. that scale. Which I'm sure I'm sure your your uh, girlfriend can answer that much more eloquently. Yeah, she like so. <laughs> I, I really like talking to her about stuff like that because uh, she's really into physical chemistry and material science. And I, I actually went to college for mechanical engineering. Um, See, I didn't. Like I didn't a know that. in mechanical engineering. Nice. Um, so that's like another reason I got really into making my own knives. I like the science behind it. Yeah. When you so when you're heating your knife, how are you dictating the temperature? Are you going off of color or do you have a thermometer? Yeah. Yeah, so my first first probably five knives I did at I did it at night and uh did it off of color and it's like you want it to be like a salmon orange and that's how you know it's like around 1500. If you get a really like cherry red, it's like way too hot. Okay. And that's the color you want when you're actually forging a knife, which is the other way to make a knife, uh, which is where you take a thick billet of steel that's, like, smaller and not the shape of a knife. Right. You heat it up to, like, almost 2,000, like, around 1,900, and uh, and then you hammer it out um, into the shape of the, and shape of a knife. Right. Um, and then, so, so right now, at this stage, are, are you forging still, or are you doing stock removal? I'm mo- uh, yeah, I, I, so I have a, I have a uh, forge like uh, for heating mm-hmm. um, up to that temperature, and I have an anvil. And I uh, actually I was talking to a guy at the taco stand I work with, and he was like, "Oh, I'm a blacksmith. I like teach it at the community college." And the next day, he brought me like a super expensive, nice like forging hammer. Really? And, like he was like, "You can just have this." So now I like give him free coffee all the time and stuff. Well, of course. Here's yeah. some coffee yeah, with your taco, you lunatic. Who the yeah. fuck gets coffee with their taco? Oh, it's oh it, no, it's a breakfast taco stand. Oh, taco. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's dude. like I think it originated in San Antonio, Texas, but it's a huge thing in Austin, Texas. Dude, that's a um, I'm really blown away by that job. Normally, is it like a a taco stand, but it's a breakfast taco, and it's making yeah, you yeah. enough for like that's we, really fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, we we sell the same this one taco more than any. Others just like egg, bacon, potato, avocado, and cheese. That sounds and delicious. Like, yeah, and then uh, iced coffee, and like that's like the majority of everything we sell. Wow. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's crazy. It's in like a really popular neighborhood, like full of hipsters, and they all tip really well, which is cool. Well, that hell yeah, buddy. I don't mean to yeah. go off on a on a breakfast taco tangent, but I'm just you know, I love I love breakfast. Um, yeah. So yeah, where are you finding your uh, stock steel that you're using? Like the first piece you made, was it like a... Uh, yeah, so I get it off of... Uh, oh, the very first one I made was yeah. just garbage steel that my friend found on the side of the road. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. He, like, he was just going through... Well, he didn't find on the side of the road. He saw a construction site and a dumpster, and he's a psycho, and he like got in the dumpster and was looking for stuff because he's a whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's okay this is a safe place jordan yeah 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 and uh so he found a bunch of like scrap steel that was like 
basically the perfect width I needed. It was like less than a quarter inch. Oh, um, cool. And uh, so I, I used that to practice, but it actually ended up turning out really good. So, uh, but um, but because it's mystery steel, I don't know. So that messes with the heat treat. So I buy ten ninety five steel, uh, and then so I there's like specs on it from the factory, like heat it up to 1400 degrees hold it there for 10 minutes quench it in oil that's been heated to like 40 degrees like all this specific stuff and that's how you get it perfectly hardened right Uh, okay yeah but uh but yeah so i i get it right now from admiral steel just online it's like relatively cheap and it's already like cut into lengths and stuff that you would need for um widths and lengths for have you, did you ever make a mat? Was that like the only time you made it out of some, some junk steel or were you like pulling yeah, off a car uh, or something? What's that? I said, or, there, or was there a t- like a time when you were like pulling off of a car or something like a... No. No, <laughs> um, no yeah, we've, uh, I made two like that out of junk steel and then I started buying nice steel mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and then I get wood from like for the handles from like, I get it all online. But okay. my buddy who like dumpster dives for stuff found like an insane <laughs> amount of brass and copper. Wow. Um, and I use brass for the bolsters and stuff and different parts of the handle. Um, right, right. So what what would you say at this at this juncture? Uh, you're six months in. What is your favorite part of the whole process? Like, what do you? Man, it's so hard because the whole thing is making the knife, which right. is like super fun, but. I actually really like woodwork. It's it's funny. I do it in like stages. I'll do like two days working on the blade because I have to like uh, heat treat it and then let it, um, and then I have to temper it in the oven for eight hours because it's like rock hard when I take it out of the oil. Mm-hmm. So if I dropped it, it would shatter like glass or it would just crack. It wouldn't shatter it because right, um, right. it's so brittle. So then I have to bring the hardness down a little bit. And, uh, so then that takes like a day and then I have to clean the knife up and stuff cause it's like all charred and black out of the forge. Um, but then I'll spend a day or two days, uh, doing woodwork, like working on the handle. Cause that also takes eight hours overnight to dry and right. then I get to finish the handle and then I'll spend two days, um, doing leather work, which I had no idea that I was going to be so into leather work, but it's like, <laughs> I, I love it just as much as the rest, like making sheets and stuff. Oh, you know? really? Yeah. Um, I'm really into leather yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> leather work, working on leather. Um, but it's awesome. I just get uh, super raw, I get rawhide, like raw leather, and it just looks like skin colored, and I... Uh, you know, like dye it and stamp it and like put designs on it and, you know. So uh, the, I'm, is it, that seems like it, it works out really well that you enjoy every single bit because, you know, I'm sure there's some people that like, I love the forging, but the, I can do without the handle yeah. making or. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, yeah, I'm stoked that I love all of it because I kind of dislike the people on Instagram who like, like certain knife followers I follow who like just make the knife and then they send it out to somebody to get a sheath made, which I mean, fair enough. They just don't like doing leather. They like don't have time to do it, but, yeah. um, I wanna... or, or they'll like 
get blank knives cut out already, mm-hmm. and then they'll just like bevel them and heat treat them and put the handle on them. But they're already pre-designed knives, which is kind of weird. Yeah, like I, I like guess... I like to draw all my knives, you know. Yeah, of course. I feel like that would be a really big part of it for myself too. But if if for some people all they want to do is kind of like make a handle or like have a quick knife or something, I guess. But I could really yeah. see how actually designing the shape of the knife would make you feel more like connected to yeah. it. It's like, yeah, like not only that, but I, I like made the shape of this knife for like what I want to use it for. Yeah, that's like the biggest art part of it. Like you draw it with an idea of what it's going to look like at the end. And then it's so much fun having that drawing and holding the knife next to it at the end. And they look, you know, pretty similar. That's really cool. What about, um, the, the sharpening, um, aspect? How, how was that? Like the first time you went to sharpen your knife? Yeah. I, um, so I, it's something I did. I didn't know about, um, how to like, so I, I always sharpened on like a stone and stuff like my like pocket knives at home and like got really into that and like sharpening kitchen knives like um, on a stone. But right. so when I'm like, I use this belt grinder to like bevel the knife down, you know, make it bring the blade to a point. And, yeah. um, and then I bought just a bunch of different belts for it that go all the way to a thousand grit. Ooh, baby. And so I like... I bevel it at one angle, like a, a really shallow angle, and then, um, and then for the edge, I'll like do like 400 grit on the very edge, um, like the bottom like centimeter, and uh, I'll do 400, 600, 800, and then a thousand, and then I leather strop it, like I have a strop of leather that goes on the belt grinder, and I do that a few times, and that takes all the burrs from the like because it's sandpaper basically even though it's really fine it still leaves behind burrs yeah um so the leather will like clear those out and make the edge perfectly smooth yeah it's like and once you do that it slides through paper like butter it's crazy that is crazy it's like uh you know that's it's the same thing that you know barbers are using when they're sharpening their knife they're not really sharpening they're just taking the burrs off that like come from that your hair hitting the fine point the fine edge yeah or if you see a uh like a chef or your dad on thanksgiving like hitting the chef knife on that rod of steel yeah that's like that's honing it like taking the burrs off um, yes that's not actually sharpening it yes a lot of people um, it is a, a misconception a lot of people believe that uh, that's like sharpening but um yeah yeah you can't really uh, it's so crazy have you ever seen like the edge of a uh, um like the edge of a knife like microscopic like in a um, I don't know if I have. There's I, there's some really cool pictures you can look at. Yeah. Because uh, there was the, uh, a long time ago, it was funny because it was probably right around the time when I watched all those episodes of Forged and Fire. Um, <clears throat> I think Joe Rogan, like right at that same time, had one of the contestants, one of the winning contestants from the show, on his show. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about like just the 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 sharpness and of. Uh, like how fine the edges of those knives actually get and he's got some crazy fucking pictures it's really cool really cool shit and it's like the chemistry that goes into or or like the 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 chemical makeup of the material to hold such a hard edge at such a microscopically fine oh yeah it's fascinating it's fucking insane um so what are your knives when you're making these knives like do you have a purpose for them as far as, like, this one is going to be used for blank? 
like um, chopping kinda, wood. Or... Yeah. So I started making them for myself, and um, I like so I made just small like hip carrying knives, like everyday carry knives, um, just to use as tools at like work or everyday life. Um, and uh, but I've made myself like a big camping knife uh, that I take camping every every time we go right. um and uh but mostly like everyday carry stuff but then now i just recently got into um making like kitchenware like chef knives and pairing knives and stuff cool um, and and have you made any for anyone else has anybody anyone asked you yeah to make some? yeah i um i had a friend who works in a bar uh and he was like all stoked about me making knives and uh asked me to make him and uh, another person at his bar, um, each a knife for like uh, doing citrus, like for um, for cocktails and stuff. Oh wow! Um, which is cool. And he was like, he was like, I just want like all the staff at the bar to have like knives on their hips for like, <laughs> uh, I don't know, because it's like an aesthetic thing too. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, but that was cool. Did so you? And so you did it? Knives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, that was, like, my seventh and eighth knife. Um, so I, I'm sure if I look at those knives in the future, like, he lives in St. Augustine, but I'm sure I'm going to hate them so much. <laughs> of course, like, man. I'm going to think they're so ugly. <laughs> but at the time, um, man, like, I'm sure it fit what they needed and just the fact that it was handmade and... and yeah. Um, that's really fucking awesome. Uh, what about anyone else? Has anyone else been like, yeah. hey, Jordan? Yeah, and then my dad... Um, he wanted like a big old turkey carving knife, so I uh, I made him one around the same time, probably like my ninth or eighth knife, or ninth or tenth knife. Um, and then my girlfriend's sister, I made her a knife when she was graduating, like a a similar one to the uh, bartender knives. Like it was like bigger than a paring knife, but like not like a full kitchen like chef knife. Um. What, what? It's like a graduation present. Yeah. So you can, you know, stab people too, you know? Yeah, when yeah. You graduate. <laughs> Shit's hairy out there when after you graduate. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to the real world. Here's a knife. Exactly. Uh, did you know what all the different knife types were before you started making this? Like, you knew, like, oh, that's a paring knife, that's a chopping knife, that's a... No, I'm, like, getting really excited about learning all that stuff. I still, the names are really hard because they're all, like, Japanese. Um, and I haven't, like, worked in, like, fancy kitchens before. Right, right. Because, like, I've talked to chefs and they know all the all the different styles. Was, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so I know there's, like, a, a pretty big market for custom-made, uh, you know, kitchen kitchenware and that that kind of thing that's like really big like a lot of knife makers uh there's some people that make like outdoor knives but when it really comes down to day to day like what kind of knife is the american using every day it's almost like it's kitchen knives do you want to walk in the park but don't have a reason to dick diamonds used pet sales i've got dogs cats horses once we even had a giraffe Stop by Dick Diamond's used pet sales. Our pets are cheap and reliable, and all our pets are just like new and gently used. 
We got a hamster for my son, Timmy, and it lived for six months. It only died because it was eaten by our cat that we also got from Dick. What's really sad is that the cat choked to death on the hamster. Timmy was hysterical. Thankfully, we got the diamond warranty plant and Dick set us up with a replacement gerbil and parrot in no time. <coughs> Don't spend top dollar for new pets. I've got perfectly good ones right here. Dick Diamond's used pet sales. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, and it's something that like grandmas can buy from me. Like if I when I start, like, I mean, so if that's the, the market that you like want, a, Jordan. I mean, yeah. you can go ahead and have yeah. that market. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that I want to like make knives for a living. Um, eventually, I but, really uh, think that that is extremely accessible in, in today's yeah. world. Like if you if you have something that you're doing that you're that you really enjoy it's today has got to be the best time to do that just because you 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 have instagram and you have these a way to reach literally every person in the world can see what you're doing and then if they like it they can just commission one right then and there and you can send it to them yeah yeah are you are you um uh, are you going to so you say you're still doing the stock removal kind of thing do you have plans to like build yourself a forge to start doing the yeah forging? so i did build i did build build a forge and that's what i use for heat treating right now right um, right but uh but yeah i still haven't um i haven't heated it up to like 2000 degrees yet and started hammering it out i like have like a anvil i made out of a strip of railroad track that yeah I found on the like side of the road and uh so because railroad tracks have to withstand you know a train so it's like super hardened steel. So yeah. there's they're really good for anvils. Yeah, um, dude. If you um, there's a there's a part of Forged in Fire when they uh, like the last two contestants end up having to go home to their home forges to make to make a, a whatever the the challenge knife is. And it's surprising how many people you saw were like, well, this is my forge, and they're just like in their backyard. And they've yeah. got a fire pit and little hand crank like forge, and uh, yeah. you're like, dude. They, and then a lot of those guys, some of them actually like win. Yeah, <laughs> which so is fucking cool. awesome. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the and they they all have a lot of them have like the the railroad tie. Are you yeah? Uh, are you excited or looking forward to doing like uh, those different Damascus patterns and whatnot? Um. Yeah. So that's like that's a weird thing right now because like i don't have the like tools to make my own damascus so you need to like take like two di two different types of steel and you layer them and then you weld them together right. and then you hammer them and draw them out and like to do that in a small forge is like almost impossible yeah you would like, need because yeah you would need at least a, a like a welder so you can weld the like the box up yeah. or whatever that you're gonna put your but steel it's like in. hammering it out people use like these foot press ones that are like thousands of pounds like they hammer it for them like, oh these yeah big machines. those are all those pussies but dude you if, yeah. if you're gonna start if you're gonna start like hammering out some steel i i don't think the damascus is out of your is out of your reach just because you don't have one of those pussy hammers yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I've definitely yeah, dude. If there's any, uh, uh, you could yeah, you could fucking do it for sure. Yeah, and if um, anything, you'll be more proud of it in the end because it's gonna be a little oh, bit more sure. difficult. But at the same yeah. time, like all those all those Japanese guys made all those swords. 
and uh, you know all exactly, them yeah. with their fucking hands. That's, that's my favorite thing to think about. Like, whenever I'm like, oh, I can't do that because like I don't have the like tools or the you know whatever. It's like, no, man, people have been doing this for thousands of years and making the most beautiful knives and swords. Exactly. Like, with nothing. With nothing. Like, they didn't even have a power drill to, like, put, like, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. Can you imagine <laughs> having to drill that shit by, like, those old, like, hand Yeah, like drills? a crank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so great. Yeah, apparently, like, you know, I, I, thought, I think I saw a documentary a long time ago about the steel that they would use to make the um, the swords in Japan and they would build uh, like these forges and it would they would every time they would make one of these swords they would build a new forge like out in the Jesus. yard they would build the yeah. whole forge and they, like first they would build a fire and then they build like this brick like house around it and then they put all their their ingredients for like the steel that they wanted to make in there and uh, uh, the recipes are all like super secretly guarded of like what yeah. portions of what kind of steel and whatnot, and then they the the forge would I think it would go for like a week like they would sit there and someone had to be tending it twenty four seven for like a week or like two guys would take turns like making sure the fire stayed at a very precise temperature and um, yeah it it was just so insane and then they it's incredible yeah yeah like the amount of hours of laborious fucking hours it would go into to making these swords that in some ways there's a lot of aspects that are are, are techniques that are like lost uh for instance like some of those um like what it what went into making that steel like nobody knows for a, a, some of those oh, swords yeah what we call damascus isn't where it isn't like real damascus i guess it's like nobody knows what real damascus is they have like there's examples of swords where it exists but even scientists like cut them in half and break them down they can't figure out what the process was yeah. to like make that and like it's like valyrian steel in game of thrones exactly like, it's just lost to history like i don't know I think they it's, they i think damascus now has almost just become more of a colloquial term for just layering your steel in general but uh, yeah, yeah. The, the original and it's almost Damascus. not even like adding to the strength at some because it's like i think like originally it was you were like they had crap steel because it was like olden days but like that was like the best steel was they would like layer it into like to like strengthen it and make it better but um nowadays steel's so good and like people will make Damascus, but one of those layers will be the edge. And so it's not even, like, multiple layers on the edge. Right. Because like, the edge is the only part you're cutting with. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's pretty The edge wild. is the only so part, part that matters. Months. You see, yeah. I saw there was a there was a couple of contestants every once in a while. They would um, they would just edge treat their, yeah, yeah. their steel. Have you ever done that? No. I, I wonder about that because, like... The initial steel is so soft. I wonder about like, you know, the it getting messed up, right? Just in daily use, like. But if the whole thing's hardened, like you, you're not gonna scratch it on like putting it, setting it on top of a pot or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess the like that what they would do is because the knife. I guess the whole point of the of the show is the knife has to not only look good but it has to withstand uh testing and some of the testing is like 
cowbone chopping. They do the crazy tests, like obstacle courses in that show. There's no, yeah, not like it, they give it to the judges. Like so, they it's dude. The reason I fell in love with it was not only because, like, just the aspect of forging is really fucking awesome, but just because it was it became my favorite competition show because there was no nothing left to question you know in like cooking shows yeah. the judge is like ah this one tasted better but it's like dude you have how, no clue how could you you don't have no clue in this one it's like dude your knife fucking broke that guy wins it's that it's, yeah. it's that cut and dry and i fucking loved it and like uh so like they would they make their knives uh th- like it starts like starts out with four people and um they make the blade and then they got to make a um a handle and then they pick two of the best, but at the very end, they have to make like a special like they're like, This is the blade you have to make. And then they go to their home, they go home, and then they have to make that blade. Sometimes it's just like these crazy fucking weapons from history. And yeah. then they come back with that blade that they made at their home forge, and then the judges take it and they like fucking chop cowbone, or they chop ice, or they fucking like do all this crazy shit with it, and uh, yeah. whoever's fares the best, they win. And, yeah, um, that's so awesome. It's so cool it's because. Like, go ahead. Oh uh, no, no, no! Please, please, Jordan, you. <laughs> uh, it's like one of my favorite things to watch on Instagram. Whenever I like come across it, is watching people do obstacle courses with their knives, oh, and yeah. it's like <laughs> they like it'll it'll start with them like chopping a two by four in half. And it's like a like kitchen knife or something, and they'll like go, they'll like get through an entire side of a two by four, and then they'll like there'll be a hanging rope, and they have to like, and it's just dangling there like a big rope, and they have to cut it, which is crazy. Like if it's dull at all, it would just knock the rope away. Um, yes. But they like slice right through it, and then they got to cut like ping pong balls in half and stuff without them rolling off. Okay. And then they, so they do all this crazy stuff that's like just hammering away at their the edge of their blade and then at the very end they have to like cut us cut a piece of paper in half perfectly yeah and if there's like a single burr or anything it's gonna snag that paper and tear it and uh yeah it's the coolest thing it is really fucking cool because you do that and everybody who watches it is like yeah i'll take two of those yeah yeah, that's, that's the whole point it just shows like the craftsmanship like this is what the knife should stand up to like this is what it should yeah. be you should be able to which do which is awesome and it's like that i actually uh started doing that to test my if i heat treated it properly like i like hack it a two by four until i get like a quarter of the way through it and then try and perfectly cut a piece of paper in half do you ever when you after you heat treat do you ever run your blade on a file yeah um they actually that's they sell different uh kit of files that are ranked from like five hardness to like 70 hardness and you like run each file down your knife and it'll just skate on top of it until you get to like 55 to 60 it'll like bite into it and then you know that's your hardness is in that range that's Um, really cool so i didn't know they had actual scaling uh uh, files i knew i just saw people that would do that in the heat of yeah, yeah. that's show. like a um, that's a the cheapest way to test your hardness they like sell like computers that'll like dent your knife like microscopically dent it and then it'll tell by the resistance like 
exactly how hard your knife is, which is cool, but they're like thousands of dollars. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you... That's a strong computer yeah, denting your knife. What's that? What's the computer yeah. made out of? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> how hard's the fucking computer? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm so happy that you're, that you're making knives and I can like vicariously live through you making knives because honestly, if I ever were to see you out in Austin I and it, like we had a couple of days I'd be like dude let's come on fire that shit you up you have let's, to dude come would, and make one that would be so like, fucking awesome come for like four days and we will like expedite the process and make one that would be so fucking cool man it is it, yeah it's just so cool and, and uh, yeah if you ever do watch the show it's, it's pretty awesome and I think what's really kind of wholesome about not wholesome but it's like cool about the show is the people that go on there and they and like do well, um, yeah, they it does really well for them because all of them are in that same position of being like, I just want this to be my everyday life. Yeah, and then they go on that show and everyone sees them on the show and then they go, I'll t- I'll buy that guy the knives, you know. Yeah, so yeah. cool. It's really cool, man. And then and then, but at the same time, you have the the uh, the whole Instagram thing. Mm. Where what is the next? Are you ma- are you in the process of making a knife right now? Yeah, yeah. I actually literally an hour ago finished my first like real chef's knife. Um, it's like a Japanese style chef's knife um, that I'm super stoked about. It's the first one where I actually like it's hidden tang, so the like yes the part that goes in the handle you can't see any metal. It's like embedded in the wood. Um, now, how did you did uh, you do a did you do a burn through? How did you do that? Uh, I uh, I went over to a buddy's house and used his drill press, um, which is something I'm eventually just gonna buy. Like, of I, so yeah, I'm in, like in the process of upgrading my tools too uh, to make things like more accurate and like clean, and then also way faster. Um, yeah. Like, I I need like a way nicer bell grinder and then i can take away so much more material so faster they're so much faster um which would be cool but um yeah sorry. man where, where what was the first question or the main question uh to be honest i don't really remember it was just like yeah. uh i think it was something along the lines of what do you like what, oh yeah what like, was the yeah are you making a knife right now step. yeah no oh, yeah. sure so what's yeah, the next so, knife you're gonna make um not sure i uh so i'm like stoked about this one and actually there's a my brother works at a restaurant in sarasota um and there's a chef there who was like being like man i'll totally buy a set of chef knives from your brother so that which is pretty cool uh so i'm probably gonna talk to that dude about that um oh man dude that's uh, it's just it that is really really fucking awesome it seems like it's more within your grasp than you think. So, has anyone purchased a knife from you yet? Yeah, yeah. Like, just friends, though. Like, right. um, not not strangers like this dude will be. Because um, I wasn't like, sure if, like, the, your friend that you did the pairing knives for, I'm not sure, I wasn't sure if those people were paying or you were just like, oh, here you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I sold, like, they just paid basically for materials and stuff and, like, threw me some extra cash to, like, support wow. the process. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I want to like, I I really want to get like a backstock of knives to sell. And so I can start a website, 
Um, but I don't want to start a website now and then have nothing on it, you know, for months. Right, um, right. And then I also really like the idea of going to, like, art shows around town. My friends sell, like, paintings and drawings and pottery and stuff at art shows all around town. And I've never seen anyone selling knives at those. Oh, boy, you can get in on that flea market circuit, boy. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. Get on uh, a flea market circuit. (laughs) With, with, like, cooking knives and stuff, I was thinking about, like, uh, farmer's markets. Like Oh, for sure. Just get name out and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that guy over there is selling is selling uh, potatoes, and you're selling fucking knives. Maybe you can like partner with some kind of butcher shop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they could put a sign like up in there, and be like, "We use we use Opie knives." Yeah. <laughs> to chop up a whole cow. So, yeah. Uh, is that so? Yeah, I just said you, that's the name of of your knives. If you if you turn this this uh, into like a company, would that is that going to be the name? Yeah, yeah. I I the domain name's still available, so I'll probably buy that when I get closer to cuz nobody's like trying to buy OP knives domain name. And anyone listening, don't buy that domain name. <laughs> uh don't worry. <laughs> I I'll sell it to you at a very nice price, don't worry. Yeah, buddy. exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, man, and uh and uh that's really fucking so cool. So yeah, OP knives. What is the how do you how do you spell it exactly for, like, if you're yeah, going to look at it on Instagram? Yeah, it's O-P-I-E, and then I think it's maybe underscore knives. Um, but, yeah, if you just type in O-P knives, uh, that's my dog's name. He's a good boy. <laughs> Except uh, for that man he killed earlier. Yeah. <laughs> man, that is, yeah, so I'll put that in, like, the uh, the show notes and stuff, too. But uh, to be honest, man... I mean, we, we, I don't, I don't really know how many people listen to the show, but, yeah. um, it's not a lot. <laughs> uh, there was That's a time awesome, though. I like, what's that? Oh no, go ahead. Or I was just going to say, I like, I'm so slow at making knives right now that <laughs> if there were a bunch of people hitting me up for knives, I couldn't do it. I anyway. couldn't do it. <laughs> Which, I couldn't That's do the it. most frustrating part is like, I don't know. I think it'll no scale with your like the the demand for your knives will 100% scale with your aptitude for making them like as you make them exactly. better like it'll just always be perfectly aligned with your skill level i think yeah yeah Which, i um i really want to start like just doing it 9 to 5 like treating it like a day job which i haven't really been doing i've just doing it in my free time like as often as i can um but I feel like if I treat it like a job, I don't know. I don't want to like bum myself out about it. Though. No, you got to <laughs> stay excited about it, and and whatever yeah, exactly. way you do that. I think if there was a time like you were like, okay, now I'm making enough money where I I, I can quit this the groovy taco stand job, and yeah, you know, at that point you would probably want to do like four days a week or three days a week, nine to five kind of thing. Yeah, I think at that point I would be doing like for sure five days a week. Like this this girl I follow on Instagram who's a full time knife maker, she was like talking about her hours and she works like eighty hours a week That's on knives. Fucking bananas. And it's and she yeah. likes it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I get it. It's it's this weird thing right now where I'm like I'll be like sitting on the couch watching T V, like kind of procrastinating 
doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But once I get in there and start doing it, it's all I want to do. And I'm like annoyed when I get tired and it's like four in the morning and I got to go to bed. (laughs) Like, yeah, because I just want to keep working on these knives. Um, So, yeah, that is that. Yeah, dude, that, that feeling. That's a good feeling to have. And I think everybody needs that feeling with something. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Some like, people, it's I love just, my hobbies. For some people, it's just jerking it, you know. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I get mad when it's four in the morning and I gotta stop. And cause all I want to do is just keep jerking it. Oh <laughs> uh, man, that is, I really, you know that that and and a lot of people are kind of afraid to jump in on something that they've been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, for instance, like forging, but there's so many things that keep them from doing it. And I love the fact that you went and did it. Like you could have easily been like, I don't have a forge. I don't have an anvil. I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like you said, you, when you read about it and you looked it up, you're like, you know what? It's really doesn't take that much stuff. Like I pretty much have all that stuff. If you didn't have something, I'm sure you knew somebody who might've, who would have loaned it to you for a second. Well, that's literally what happened. I didn't have an angle grinder and I like, so I just borrowed one from a friend and I I think I didn't even have a drill and I borrowed it from a friend like uh um or I didn't have a nice drill and uh yeah and then just bought sandpaper and stuff like I don't know it's awesome but I think it also comes from I was already dedicating a lot of time to pottery because I like my girlfriend wanted to take a pottery class and I was like oh, I don't know and then she talked me into it and then I fell in love with doing pottery. And oh, then, really? Yeah, so then that was, like, a stepping stone into, like, one... I was like, oh, if I can make, like, beautiful mugs and plates, I can make beautiful knives, I think. And, like, uh, I don't know. So And so that was, like, inspired me to do it, too. So, That's like, really people cool. should just take, take a class to, like... Take a pottery class. Take a pottery class <laughs> or any, like, uh welding class or something yeah like just take anything that's that's gonna get your hands a little dirty that's gonna get you making something i think if i had to say out of all my friends if i really had to be like which one do you think is gonna go off and start making knives i'd probably say it was you because when you said at the beginning of this you're like i always liked knives i'm like yeah you have always liked knives i could vouch for that (laughs) yeah the day i turned 18 i like went out and bought a shotgun yeah exactly i remember that (laughs) they went and bought a mossberg 500 yeah yeah mossberg 500 (laughs) i know i remember but oh yeah we went shooting a whole bunch of times yeah man that was um and it's been it's been a really long time i can't believe because yeah you said you were in up in Tallahassee for seven years and then you've been out there for yeah. three years so it really it's been ten years since fucking high school I'm really yeah, think about this the next ten years you're gonna have been making knives for ten years just think about how fucking good you're gonna be after ten years oh yeah cause they say yeah. to master something it takes about ten thousand hours and to do that uh, it's about ten years of you know eight ten years of work yeah so cool that is cool, man. Yeah. You're going to be a, a master knife maker. Yeah, already after six months, I, like, can't stand looking at my first few knives. I'm like, because they just... But, yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. I still like them. Well, but that's yeah. what draws you. You know, that's what con- continues to push you forward and make better knives. 
Yeah. And, uh, it's just and like, and not just being like, oh, I have 10 knives on my nightstand. I think that's good. It's yeah. like, I have 10 shitty knives. <laughs> like, I want to have 10 even better knives. Yeah. And that's what's going to continue driving you until you're just making fucking better and better knives and you you're gonna and there's always some facet of what you're doing right now that you can tweak you'd be like ah you know i oh, used dude. to make my handles this way and i want to make it this way and oh, i can try a handle like this or yeah it's constantly like i'm i have to almost like stop myself from diving into the internet and like <clears throat> making lists of things i want to like do because it's like they're just piling up and it's like oh i gotta learn how to do that i gotta learn how to do that and like now um, i gotta learn how to how to etch into now i gotta learn how to etch into the handle now i gotta learn how to yeah uh, how to brand the leather now i gotta learn how to it's always gonna be something yeah, man for yeah. sure um yeah man i just wanted to to thank you you were you were very uh kind about coming on and and, and talking to me and it's awesome because we haven't spoken in a really long time and uh it's yeah. been a it's been a while if you're um I, th- I would say it's probably more likely that you would come back here and visit your parents before i would make it out to austin but are you in sarasota right now uh yeah i'm actually because uh, you saw that i had a um you, you thought the the picture of that little kid on there was like my yeah yeah <laughs> like i thought it was not, your nephew or something yeah that's my uh yeah that's my son and yeah uh I made. You know, him. you never say that that's your son on the internet. I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you don't. <laughs> I would Because I've for like years. Uh, how old is? Your He's son? only ten months. Oh, ten months. Well, for ten months, I've thought it was your nephew. Nah, dude. If you, I think if yeah. you look at my Instagram, it, it says father. It's like the first thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't talking about God. I wasn't like I'm. I'm a God fearing man. I love the Father. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, so like a year over a year ago, I came back to Sarasota from like traveling around or it was like more, it was like a couple years ago and I was like, I had sex, I had sex a bunch and you know what happened? (laughs) Kids don't do that. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I work here and then I, I got my kid here and I don't want to, that's the thing. I'm in a place where I feel comfortable not traveling because what, um, I think I did enough moving around earlier and now yeah, I, I, can, sure. I can, I feel very comfortable sitting for like a couple of years and then knowing that like, I just realized how long life really is. And I, I felt like I was in a rush to do everything. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden I realized like my dad turned like uh, 73 and I was like, dude, he just lived like, imagine all of my life up till this point and then double that. Yeah, and then and then add another one of those add on, one. and that's I was yeah. like that is and on, on if you really want to think about it, you could say the first couple of years of this life is is uh, of of my age is kind of like bullshit. So really, yeah. it's like twenty five years. I couldn't yeah. comprehend it, dude. I couldn't comprehend that. So I was like, I got yeah. way too much. <laughs> Man, uh, there was a when you were doing the Appalachian Trail, I uh, I had to stop watching your vines because I was like. It's like I gotta sell my car. I gotta do something <laughs> cool like that. I gotta, I gotta drop out of college. <laughs> I gotta get the fuck out of here, dude. That yeah. is, I know that fucking feeling. That is the that FOMO fucking feeling, dude. It is. Yeah. You see something that it's, it, it really, 
And I like how you you're it made you inspired to go do it because there's a, some people that see stuff that they want to do and then they like get shut down and they make excuses for why they can't do it. And then there's people yeah. that see stuff that they want to do and they start trying to like figure out how they can like yeah, I could sell my car, I could just get the fuck out of here. I could do do that. And yeah. um yeah, dude, again, out of all my friends that I have when I was hiking, except for the the friend that I actually hiked with, if there was one other person that I thought would have done the trail with me, it definitely would have been you. Oh yeah, dude. I like, it's so fascinating. Like I I love, I like go rock climbing and mountain biking like every week and just being outside and I don't know. It's so freaking cool. It Um, is cool, man. And as just like I said earlier about life, you know, not being how much we have, uh, don't worry, dude. At some point, you will you will definitely be prepared to go and, like, at some point, you'll be like, hey, I could totally do that. And you're never going to yeah. be too old. When I hiked, there was a guy who was hiking it for his sixth time, and he was 80 years old. Yeah. So there's never going to be a time when you're like, I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah, no. So don't worry. No. Fuck yeah. It's always going to be there, and you should definitely fucking do it, for sure. It's... Yeah. Well, dude... Thank you so yeah, thank you so much. And what I really want to do is just keep checking back in with you on this process and like what's been going 100%. on. And I think that would be yeah. so fucking cool and and so that way people get to hear uh, you know, Jordan at six months. He just started making knives and then like, you know, maybe another six months or however long, like where is he at? How's it going for him? Yeah. I would be really uh that would be really fun. Yeah, that's amazing, dude. I'd love to do that. Hell yeah, brah. So if anybody wants to check out his knives, you go to Opie underscore knives or just search Opie knives on Instagram. You can see the like the little emblem or whatever. is a, a, It's like black and white with the dog holding a knife in his mouth. And who, who made that? I drew that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's oh. my... Uh, I, it was like a picture I had of him chewing on a stick and I like traced it but left the stick out and then uh and then drew a knife in his mouth I, <laughs> it actually turned out good <laughs> yeah it turned out really good actually what i did was i uh, gave my dog a knife to chew on and uh took yeah. the picture <laughs> that that like is... wanted to chew on the handle i was like it doesn't look as cool you gotta have you it gotta... the blade in your <laughs> mouth dude put it in your mouth like a pirate come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah my dad keeps like being like jordan you gotta you gotta trademark that somebody's gonna steal that logo and steal opie knives it's like dude it's a picture of my dog that i drew <laughs> his name like nobody's gonna steal that to make a company he's like you don't know man they could like start selling knives under that name and then sue you for a bunch of money you like, don't know man you know what could happen is uh old isaiah could run in there and buy the domain name and trademark yeah. that logo and then when you show up i could be like hey buddy yeah. <laughs> you want this Fuck, stuff man, back? Now I gotta I have to go buy it tonight. <laughs> You're too late, Jordan. <laughs> I'm buying it as we speak. Alright. Yeah. Well fuck yeah, dude. Um thank you so much for for uh doing the interview with us and we'll we'll catch you again and um Fuck yeah, dude. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much, man, for having me on. Huh? You're tense? I'm calm. You apply excessive force. I control that force through fluid motion. 
That means relaxing the whole body so it can react instantly without resistance, you know, without thought. Do you see now? It means becoming like clear water. Well, just like that. It's always just like that. What do you say? Um, that, just like that. I don't know if that really makes sense. That's the end of our show, everybody. All said and done. What did you learn today? Hmm, I learned that when you put one of those knife sharpeners to a knife, you're not actually sharpening the, the knife. You're just getting those little thingies off there. That's what I learned. What else did we learn? We learned how to make Granny's world-famous blood and ding-dong soup. I think that is... That's my favorite part of the show. What did you guys learn? What you can write into us and tell us what you learned, and you can send that to roadsodamail at gmail.com. Again, that's roadsodamail at gmail.com. And you can also subscribe and like wherever you are listening to the show and rate and review the show, because that, that, that helps. If you're listening on Spotify, like it and rate it and uh, write a little review. Do whatever you got to do. And uh, you can follow us everywhere at roadsodamail at gmail.com. And we will see you again next week. But of course, as always, go to bed early, guys. That's, that's always the message is go to bed early. It'll change your fucking life.